It's Friday, September 11th. 9-11 was an inside job. No, all right, it's Tuesday, but this is Friday's episode. You're listening to a brand new episode of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. I had a busy weekend, so just catching up on some eppies. Hashtag procrastination. Hashtag time management. On today's episode, the one, the only, Tricks. That's right, DJ comedian Tricks is in studio for all things tricks, and I do mean all things. We have a deep, open, and honest discussion. You're going to love it. All that and so much more starts now. Thank you, thank you for wasting your time with me yet again. You're listening to a brand new episode of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. This time not coming at you from Lemon Press Studios, but rather from the road. It's Friday, it's late. It's September 11th, 9-11, lest we forget. Alright, I'm uh, doing this episode, like I said, from the road. It's late. This episode will probably drop late, so you're this, you're listening to this in the future, and I'm currently in the past. This doesn't exist anymore. It's a thing of my memory. All right, how you doing today? You good? Are ya? Are you just saying that? Because everybody just says that, right? How you doing? Good, good. End of interaction. But how are you really? Email me, pod at jdcomedyhour.com, and let me know. I want to know the truth. Oh, <laughs> uh, what a week. What a day. Uh, today was great. I spent all day on set as part of the cast of the first ever episode of... There's, there's going to be ten episodes. I'm only in the first one. It's... A series called Canada, The Story of Us. I've talked about it before, so I won't talk about it too much, but what a great, fun day. This is all new to me, this acting thing. Especially at that level. And I was astonished at how many uh, people are involved in the process. And how early things start. I had a call time this morning of 6 a.m. had to get up, and this was shot in Midland, Ontario, which is two hours north of Toronto. So I had to, uh, I, I went there last night. I did a set last night at Absolute Comedy. And what a fun time. I hadn't been on stage in several weeks. And it's amazing how you get in your own head. When you're in a creative field, you start questioning your ability. You start questioning everything. Am I, am I funny? Can I do this? How did I do this before? Anyway, once you hit the stage, that sort of all leaves and dissolves, thankfully. 
Had a great time there at Absolute Comedy, Young in Eglinton here in Tirana. My guest today, Trix, was hosting last night. And friends Mark DeBonis and Dan Mahoney, shout out. Dan Mahoney, who uh, I used to uh, run into in New York City when I lived there. He's an American guy, now lives in Buffalo. Great to see him. Great to see Mark. Great to see Trix. It was just a good, fun night um, of comedy. And then I, uh, yeah, was, uh, drove two hours last night, spent five, slept for about four and a half, five hours, woke up, did the acting thing, which was so much fun. I can't even, oh man, just the, the cat, everyone, the crew was so nice and you're well fed and you're well treated. That's something I could certainly get used to and hoping to do more of. So if you're a casting director, book me. <clears throat> or whatever. Good times. All around. Ottawa, we're coming to you. Inside you. We're coming inside you? Well, uh, tomorrow night at um, the Ottawa Little Theater, there is, I'm hosting a great show with uh, Jen Grant, Erica Sigurdsson, Christina Walkinshaw, and Rebecca Kohler, entitled My Jokes Are Up Here. You get it? It's a play on, it's a, my eyes, but they're, because they're, they're four of the best comedians this country's ever produced, and they just so happen to be women, so hence the, hence the name. Anyway, I'll be hosting that, and on Sunday night, Wakefield, Quebec, my Wakefield listeners, I'll be doing a show there, we're doing a one-off, and wrapping up the weekend in Wakefield, so I'll be hosting that one as well. And Erica Sigurdsson, Jen Grant, Christina Walkinshaw will be on that show. Rebecca, alas, has to come back to Toronto. So, look for that, folks. Come, come hither. Come see. Come see that. Okay? Do yourselves a favor. Okay, I'm just going to, may as well just dive right in to the interview. Because this was a good one. This was a uh, great Interview certainly exceeded my expectations. Uh, comedian Tricks, who's been in the game for about 11 years as a comic, and that, that's the game I'm talking about. He's seen some uh, success at many levels, and he kind of started off hot. He's one of those guys. We get into all those details. Uh, and recently, most recently, he has faced a little bit of controversy and the Toronto stand-up community, and we talk about it, and I'm very, I was very pleasantly surprised at how head-on Trix dealt with it. I, he didn't dodge any of my questions. He answered them, I gotta say, pretty honestly, and I, and I gotta uh, show him some respect for that. Uh, but before, before we get to all that, we, we just talk and get to know Trix, because certain people just know him on stage, and of course, this is my whole prerogative with this podcast, is to introduce you to people in creative fields, in the arts, or just in any successful creative endeavor, and to show you the other side of them. So obviously, I was going to do that with Trix as well, so we get into the career and, uh, and his life chronologically. We kind of go through things and how he came about, how he got the name Trix, and so on. And then we dive into uh, the juicy stuff, which I think you'll like a lot. And I think you'll, um, if you're a comic listening to this, you might get a new perspective on the guy because I certainly, I certainly, 
Uh, again, I just got I have to say respect to tricks for coming in the studio and just being very honest and open about it. So here we are. Let's, let's just get right into it. So I'm going to forego any scamming the scammers calls also because I'm on the road and it's kind of hard to uh, do that. So we'll get, get we'll drop those next week, a bunch of those and a bunch of other things to come. Got some great guests lined up for next week, which I will get into perhaps at the end of this episode on the outro. But let's just get right into it with no, without further ado. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy my chat with comedian Tricks. You and me below, just like the flowers, laughing all day long. People, I need you loose. Yeah. Sing a little song. Come on. And take a shower. Here we go. Julian Dion. Comedy Hour Podcast. And this episode of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour Podcast brought to you yet again by Echo One Photography. GTA listeners, great tour, Toronto area. This one is for you if you're a comedian, actor, musician, business person, whoever, and you need to get some headshots done. Well, look no further. Echo One Photography will get you some damn good shots. If you own a business, hey, and you want to get some product photography done for e-commerce or advertising purposes, well, look no further because Echo One will do that too. Yeah, that's right. Email Eugene, that's E-U-G-E-N-E at echo1photography.com. Whoa, funky, switching it up, mixing it up one time. Eugene at echo1photography.com and enter J-D-C-H in the subject line for special offers. Do it today. I don't know if there's any Italians here. Soccer's not that serious. Euro Cup, they lost to Spain, 4 nothing. My neighbor's Italian, I went up to him, I was like, what happened? Not to make fun of him, what happened? 4 nothing? that's a lot. You know what he said to me? Whatever, bro, where the fuck was Africa? <laughs> Africa, first of all, it's called the Euro Cup. There's no Africa in Europe. Okay, if you're gonna be racist, at least be educated. That is stupid. And it's not like Africa has one team. There's different countries in the continent. There isn't an African man standing on a mountain going, everybody assemble your powers and go. Never! To see it. As soon as I got on stage, you held your girl tight. You can let her go. Black people don't steal everything. You can let her go. <laughs> um, white people, please, I would like to talk to you guys for a sec because I should apologize because in the first grade, I never colored you in. <laughs> Sorry. And when I did, I used the white Pencil cream, that's ridiculous. Like I didn't even use a little red. There was a peach crayon designed for you people. I never used it because my mother never said, don't trust the peach people. (laughs) 
It's funny how we compare people to the colors of the world, right? It's ridiculous. White people are not white. Black people, well, maybe Akon, but black people are not black. <laughs> Asians are not yellow, right? In the first grade, if you ever colored somebody yellow, they wouldn't even think you were racist. They'd think you're fucking retarded. <laughs> like, you never colored in the black people with a black pencil crayon, right? You didn't do that. Of course not, because if you did, I would have punched you in your fucking throat. Because <laughs> that's racist. It's just all about positive and... I, you know, he's just a... Uh, yeah, and he cares. Yeah, I guess yeah. It, uh, that's the simplest way to put it for right. me. He cares. Yeah. He cares about people. He cares about, like, comedy. He cares about... He just cares. Yeah, he's and a we, good dude. Like a genuine carer. Is that a word? <laughs> it is now. And uh, we're talking there about a uh, uh, podcast episode. Why podcast? Episode 101 guest, Jean-Paul, who actually, uh, we got a lot of good feedback from that episode. So uh, go back and listen to that. And uh, the gentleman, the fine Surya hearing there, we just uh, heard him do stand-up, what he does best. And he's here in studio. And what can I say about this guy? Oh, man, a resume he has, does he? Who am I, Yoda? What was that? That, that was kind of cool how you did that. <laughs> uh, you've seen him on Much Music's video on trial. Uh, he was a finalist at the uh, Sirius... Oh, most recently, actually. This is their most recent thing, I think. You're a finalist in the uh, Sirius Top Comic Competition. Yeah, man. Where you'll be competing at uh, Just for Laughs JFL 42 this fall. Yeah, man. Also for a one-man show. I guess that you get a headline. Like, you get your own show if you win. Is that it? Something you, like that? You win a bunch of stuff. Like, you, you win like money. Yeah, you win 15 grand. You win a television spot at JFL. You win... Um, even if you place top three, you get uh, to be paired up at a show at the next JFL 42, and then you get a TV taping Oh, nice. in Montreal. It's nuts. Yeah, that's a great... Yeah, they amped up that contest, like, huge yeah, this year. shout out to Sirius. Shout out to Sirius. He was also the 2013 winner of the Big Break competition at JFL 42. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, uh, what can I else can I say about this guy? He's a two-time COCA Comedian of the Year, which is a Canadian organization for campus activities. It's our NACA here for any uh, American listeners. He was a finalist in the 2009 Laugh-Off, Yak Yak's Laugh-Off competition. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, what else? He's a staple at uh, Kenny Kenny Robinson's uh, oft-chanted. We talked about this on the Jean-Paul episode and a few other episodes. Yeah. The Nubian Disciples of Pryor. You can see him there all the time. He's open for such acts as Tracy Morgans, Damon, Damon Wayne, Cedric the Entertainer, Russell Peters. Uh, he's written and performed four sold-out theater shows. Was your most recent one Rose Theater in Brampton? Yeah. Was that it? Yeah. Yeah. And this guy... Uh, I mean, shit, that speaks for itself. Um, no one can take that away from him. He's killing it. He's been killing it since out of the gate. And he's here in Lemon Press Studios. My man Trix is here. How are you, bro? I'm good, dude. I love I love this. Thank you, man. It's a little quaint. It's cozy. Yeah. It's, uh, even if it's the day, I can create the illusion that it's night. There's a curtain there. I can <laughs> close that if I want to. I like it, man. Lock I like myself this. off from uh, sunlight. Uh, most recently, you've seen him in St. Catharines, everybody, on Wednesday night. You're listening to this episode on Friday. So Wednesday, what were you doing there, a college gig? Or? We were doing uh, Brock U. Oh, Brock and U. Brock U is is absolute madness if you've never if you've never been there. It's like Frost Week. I mean, all Frost Week shows are crazy. Yeah. But this one in particular is 
unreal. Like you feel like a comedy rock star when you do that. Yeah, scene. how many people were were like in the audience? About eight, eight hundred. Maybe and is it like more. a kind of theater auditorium? No, it's sort of it's in their pub. It's in Isaac's pub, and they they clear it out, put chairs in there, theater style. But when it's when you get there and you see this lineup, like this huge two way lineup, and you're like, man, this is for us. It just gets you amped, you know. I, I think that that applies to any show, really. Yeah, if yeah. you If you just walk into the venue and you see this lineup, yeah, yeah. of people. And it, there's no Chappelle, and there's no Louis C.K., and there's no Bill Burr. It's just like you, and that's who and else I, was on the show. I had uh, it was Dave Murhage. Who's oh, nice. Also, oh, he's in town. Know, yeah, he's in town. Oh, and, and Nathan McIntosh. Oh, nice. Also two, in town. Two out of towners. L.A. and New Yorkers, yeah, formerly mix. from uh, from this city. Well, not from here, but um, well, I, I guess yeah, comedy yeah, the, the, comedy wise, from Canadian here. guys who've moved on. Yeah, to, yeah. To, that's a fucking good show. That's, that's a, it's unfair. Yeah, <laughs> that's the, a powerhouse. And what was the lineup? What was the order? I was hosting. Nice. Which was which I was glad because yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, you got. I don't know. You do you roll dice to see who's who headlines this? Right. Do you pull names out of a hat? But no, Dave closed it because I mean, Dave can. Yeah. Any, any one of us can. He was the closer. Uh, I I think what they did is they did like a co-headline thing. Right. Where they made Nate and we all did equal time. Essentially, right, right. But I think it was geared as a co-headline, tricks presents kind of thing. Nice. Yeah, it's kind of cool. That was a. I did a great episode of the podcast for with Dave. Yeah, we were both in hecklers working together, and we did like a a weekend in comedy sort of thing where we recorded like, you know, going to the gig. We recorded before the show, like in the day, just doing nothing. We recorded after the show in my hotel room. Then we recorded on the way to the ferry, like early on the Sunday. With so it's Marash? like, yeah, yeah. So it's like a weekend. That's the guy to do it with, though. Yeah. Oh man, he's a great guy. That guy. Absolutely, man. Shout out to Murhash. Shout out. Shout out. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about tricks. Let's get to know you a little bit, man, because you're kind of one of those guys that came out of the gate swinging. How long have you been in the game? Uh. I always say ten years, but I think it's eleven now. Right. You know, you lose. I, lo- I lost track somewhere. You start saying ten at nine, and then yeah, <laughs> and it's you weird. Keep saying I, ten, yeah. I, it's like eleven years, right? Almost. And yeah, I mean, from you know what? I didn't. I wasn't like like okay. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna put it this way. I was a DJ first, right? right? So on '93, uh, the flow. No, right? no. I mean a real like. Oh, DJ. like a real like. Yeah, I first I started out as a club MC. No way. Where, you know, and everyone knows what a club MC is. You go out, you're the guy who's on the mic, getting everybody hyped up and stuff. I was wondering about that because you often post about like DJs, uh, like the new. Yeah, I was I was really big into the whole DJ culture because mm-hmm. I because I transitioned into being a DJ. I mean, I'm not, I am not like the like the starting from scratches and the Jazzy Jeffs of the world. Like I don't scratch and do right. awesome tricks. Like I'm, I'm, I'm more. I can select and beat match great, but I'm not like the tricks with the you know with the scratching. And basically, for me, I just I come from the era of DJing where you really had to market yourself. Right. It's not like how it is now, where you know if, as long as you got the hits and a laptop and a bunch of people that'll pay for bottle service you're in right my era like was paris hilton for example exactly or if you're a star you could, right. you could dj no it was like you had to um be able to bring out a crowd 
You had to have a great looking logo. It, it all of that tied in. So you were instantly taught how to brand yourself. I'm fascinated by that world because it's become so huge. There's yeah. so much money involved now. I mean, these guys make like six figures for gigs. Well, technology's changed that, right? Like right. it's not it wasn't like that back in the day. So how would you go about self-promoting yourself, for example? Well, in my time, I remember it was your logo. First, it was your logo. Your logo spoke volumes. Right. So how it looked on the flyer was key. And um, back in the day, depending on who the DJs were, would determine if you were going to that party. So we knew guys like Starting From Scratch would bring out 2,000 people. We knew Baby Blue Sound Crew would bring out 2,000 people. And there were other DJs that did that. And then you had other DJs that would bring out, you know, people. They were popular, but not obviously as big as those guys. And then there were DJs that had, that had no following. And that determined if you got booked. So how do you even break into that? Like, how do you go from zero to 2,000 a, a draw, you know? Well, for me, it was like... I went the MC route because I was I went to Humber College. I was taking general arts and sciences, the 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 course of the person. What year? I think it was like ninety. I'm gonna say like ninety seven, and I was in class with uh, a guy who uh, was part of a sound crew called Soka Monarchs, and I didn't know anything about DJing, but I used to go to parties, right and. I was sitting beside him and he told me kind of what he does. I was like, oh man, I've always wanted to kind of like get into that whole club world. You know what I mean? And he kind of gave me the outlet. He was like, won't you come talk on the mic when I play? I was like, oh my God, like, are you serious? Because I, I was mortified. And he gave me, sorry, he gave me my first start ever. And, you know, the more I got used to being in front of people talking, the more I liked it. And then I started doing like all age parties. And it was always a, the, the key to getting in was you had to align yourself with the best parties. Right. You couldn't just do any, like, you couldn't just do any party just to do it. You you, you wanted to be part of the best parties with the best DJ lineups because with Illusion was very key too. If they saw your name on the same flyer as one of the top DJs, you instantly were looked at. And then the more I became known as an MC, I transitioned into DJing because I was like, I love music. I love playing it. And so at that point, you already kind of had people that knew you. Yeah, like promoters knew me. It was it's um it's very important to also know promoters. I forgot to mention that that's a very key thing. You have to know promoters, and the more promoters that know you, especially the the key ones in the city that do the best parties, then it's easier to get in because all you do is call them up and say, "Hey, man, you know I'm available," or they'll be like, "Hey, man, we need you for this party constantly." And I when I started DJing, slowly beginning to build like a rep because now I could MC and DJ. Right. And not many people were doing that. And what makes a good DJ? Like, is it strictly the music, the beats? Like, what goes into it? I'm asking purely out of ignorance because this is a world oh, honestly, I'm completely foreign to. Honestly, um, obviously your skills are important, but one of the most important underrated things about DJing is your ability to song select. That's That's very huge your ability to keep people dancing. You have to know when the crowd doesn't like something or when the crowd is loving something and consistently giving it to them. A lot of DJs who care, they look up and see what the crowd's doing and then it, it, something hits their brain where they're like, okay, I know what song to hit them with next. Good DJs know how to do that. Right. And then you have the DJs who just don't care. They're just gonna play whatever they want and whatever. And that's what they, 
That's what they're playing, whether you like it or not. And that you'll definitely see a difference in those two types of DJs. So is um, is that where the nickname Tricks came about? Or did you, is that something that came on earlier? I had the nickname Tricks um, earlier. Yeah. Before I even got into entertainment. What's, give me give me the backstory on that. I don't know. I was just, uh, I used to love to entertain people when I was younger. Uh, you know, I was, I don't want to say I was a class clown, but I was kind of the guy who was always cracking jokes, always imitating, um, you know, stuff I had seen on TV, making people laugh when I was younger. And right. I remember when we were, you know that moment where you're sitting with your friends and you're kind of like deciding nicknames? They wanted to call me Joker at first, but it was right around the time the Batman movie was coming out, the, like the one with Keaton and Nicholson and... Yeah, yeah, like the 1980 yeah, the, or 80s. I don't even know the date, but yeah. Yeah, it was that was coming out, and they were like, we can't name you Joker because there's already a Joker. So they went with Tricks. And, but in, I mean, think about it now. I'm like, but there was already a Tricks. There was the cereal. But I, right. didn't, I didn't have that knowledge when I was younger. So. And how did you, you lock down the spelling of it? I went with two X's. You know what's funny? If you know me, I changed the spelling throughout the years. Like first it was one X. Then at one point it was three, but I'm like, I'm there's nothing pornographic about me, so I was like I'll just go with two. It's a good medium. <laughs> three X's. That's <laughs> I was like I'll just do two X's. Yeah. It's a good medium, man. So where are you from originally, man? Are you from these parts? I'm from like a little village called Malton. Mm-hmm. It's like right beside uh, Rexdale, in between Rexdale and like Brampton. You know? Okay. Um, I guess it's like part of Mississauga now, but yeah, I'm from Malton, Ontario, man. And uh, what did your folks do? My dad worked at a, a place called like Woodbridge Foams. Factory kind of work? I don't even know what the fuck he did. <laughs> <laughs> I, to be honest with you, I just know he worked there. Yeah, yeah. And my mother was a hairdresser. Always, my mom used to always have uh, women come into the house to do their hair. Oh, she had a salon right at home? She had a salon right at home. Oh, nice. Used that must have been entertaining. It used to drive my dad crazy. I remember the, the, the like the, the smell because you know the chemicals. Totally, and, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. My house was always, and it was just random people at all times, right? All these women coming, right? So and so, okay, so you grow up, all right? Factory uh, working father, hairstylist mother, and you're kind of a jokester, prankster. So you get the nickname yeah. tricks, and then you get into DJing, and so your first real experience addressing a group of people and is emceeing at clubs. Yeah. And is that when you kind of got the itch to like, oh shit, this is like, you got the juice from from that? For for comedy, no. Um, it transitioned into radio, and radio was kind of that kind of just fell in my lap a little bit because uh, this DJ that I was working with at the time he needed a co-host for a radio show that he had, and he's kind of like, you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to be on the radio. This was on the flow. No, this was uh, Project Bounce. It okay. was uh, 89.5. It was a college station. How long were you in radio for? I did radio for about like six, seven years. Oh, shit. I still have a radio show now, actually. I didn't even know this. Yeah, every Tuesdays. Where? Uh, on 105.5, Vibe 105.5, every oh, Tuesday. Oh, shit, shout out. We play old school. Oh, nice. Yeah. So when you got into radio, uh, what was your initial sl- like time slot? I was always a late night guy. Yeah. Always, um, it was, if it's not ten to midnight, then it was midnight to something. Like right. It was always late. 
And how was your start there? Did you did, were you kind of shitting your pants a little bit when you had the live air, that nervous energy that comes with knowing people are listening? You can't really fuck up on air. It's not like this where if we majorly fuck up, I try not to edit these things at all. <laughs> but if we do, I mean, we can ultimately edit it. Uh, you know what? Um, I remember me easing into it mm-hmm. because I already knew what it was like to talk in front of people live. So I wasn't really afraid. I was more, I don't want to say nervous. I, I was more like, you know what? I just want to make sure I sound proper. But I eased into it because I was given the platform where I could kind of be myself. I wasn't told to be, okay, you got to talk like this. And you got to say this. I was I was kind of given the keys to be myself. Oh, that's good. There I weren't many like restrictions yeah. or guidelines. Or we anything. didn't have much restrictions at all. It was like a all hip hop station from 12 to 5 every night playing underground hip hop, mainstream hip hop. And we were allowed to swear on there. I no remember. One. Man. I, that, so well, it was a college. Uh, it was a college right. station. But it was like the perfect medium for a guy like me. And that was what gave me like the balls to try and say, okay, I'll do stand up. Wow, so you did 12 to 5. Yeah, at one point I was the host every night. Holy shit. From 12 to 5. Did you just sleep five. all day when that happens? How does that work? Uh, I would sleep all day. Yeah. And then I remember uh, sometimes, you know, uh, I'd sleep maybe before the show just so I could be up for... Yeah, yeah. But for the most part, man, I was like, I'm a night owl. I kind of got used to it. Just from clubs, too, you're up late anyway. Right. So... I just became a night owl. So you make the transition from MC to DJ to now radio co-host, host, and then what 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 got you on stage doing stand up the first time? I remember I used to uh, after DJing, I was DJing at a spot called Havana Lounge, which became Flirt Lounge. It's right on Adelaide and Duncan, and I used to crack jokes um, while the servers were being paid. I would crack joke because we were all waiting for our money kind of thing. And it's kind of the thing where we're all outside this office and people are going in one at a time to, you know, get paid. And while we're waiting, I crack jokes. I remember John Avery, you remember John Avery, mm-hmm. who, who used to play for CFL. He's a stand up now. Um, he used to come by the club all the time. And he's like, man, you funny. You need to do uh, Yuck Yucks Amateur Night with me. And I'm like, you do Amateur Yuck Yucks a night? Yeah. He's like, yeah, man. You got to do stand-up, dude. And then he used to he used to put it in my ear a lot. And I was like, I don't know. I like being funny here. Because like, I'm funny for sure here. That's yeah. like for real. Like, right. You know what I mean? I, I kind of had that in my head. So I was kind of scared. Uh, and I remember calling Yuck Yucks a, a, a long time ago. A long time ago, trying to inquire about how to, because I knew nothing about comedy clubs or anything. And I remember, the, I'm not even making this up, I remember the woman saying to me, um, this is what you do, you call this number, blah, blah, blah. She gave me the whole criteria. But then she's like, don't worry, uh, you know, Jim Carrey and Howie Mandel, they got booed too. So if you get booed, <laughs> and that's not something you say to a guy who's right. who's already scared to do it. So that added like five more years. Right. To You know what I mean? So... Uh, by that time, John Avery was like, every time he saw me, he's like, dude, you got, you got to just come. So one day I was like, you know what? Fuck it. If I suck, I'll know, you know, whatever. But at least I could say I, I tried it. Of course. And, uh, I just decided like, okay, I told, I told everybody at the flirt lounge that I'm doing it finally. And they were like, we're coming. Just tell us the day. And now, now I'm like, oh, crap. Now all, not all my friends are going to be there. So if I suck, right. it's going to be in front of them. And it was just a, like an amateur night at Yucks? It was the Tuesday night. Jack right. Norman was, was uh, oh, the shit. host. All right. Yeah. And uh, I called 
the I guess the Monday bef- the the night the day before, and I actually got on the very first time I called. So I told John, I'm like, John, I got on. He's like, Yo, man, I'm on too. I'm like, Oh, great. Uh, that also adds to the nerves. Anyone you respect or yeah. friends, you're like, Oh, fuck, shit, you gotta watch me do this. Now. But it was all right though because him being there was. I guess kind of motivating too, because he was he was more encouraging than anything. He wasn't like, man, if you suck, I'm gonna laugh at you. Like he wasn't. Right. He was more, and ironically, Arthur Simeon. That was his first night too. No way. Well. Yeah, that's where I met Arthur Simeon, and so it was his first night and my first night, and we went back to back. And tell me about that uh, that night. How was the was it a big audience? Big small? Uh, if any comic remembers Jack Norman mm-hmm. hosting. First of all, I love Jack Norman because that guy gave me endless opportunities. But if you remember how he hosted, he would he never made it easy. Like he if you could survive a Jack Norman hosted show as an amateur comic, you probably can survive. In what way? I know he had the videos, right? If you're like That was that was before I came. Okay. Like I know they used to boo you off with videos or whatever, but he used to dig that hole, man, so deep. Like he's telling audience members he's gonna fuck their daughters, uh, he he fucks trannies. He just made it. He was he was. I loved him like because he made it a real amateur show. Like he made it like okay, if someone sucks, then get him the fuck off the stage. Like he was he set that precedence. Uh. And imagine being like a young aspiring comic watching this guy just make it so uncomfortable for everyone not just comics like the, the crowd was like he used to do this thing where he used to make um he used to play a game where we, you you uh you fill out uh this what you do for a living or whatever and then you'd have to guess which person like he used to do that he's he was, he was very interactive but he was he would dig it so deep right so if you like went first whoever went bullet was you, like you're you have to redig this hole that he created but i remember i'm so grateful to the guy because he gave me the balls to just not be afraid of anything. But walking in there, watching this host, just, I remember one time he told a, a dude he's gonna rape his daughter. I mean, an audience member. And I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> this, and then the, some guy bombed. When I got there, a guy bombed. And Jack Norman, there was no, like, there's no encouragement from him. There's no, don't worry, man. Sometimes you do well, sometimes you don't. You'll get him next time. No, it's like, if you fucking see this guy, in an alley, kill him, <laughs> kill him. You know that was the most shittiest act, and he would torture you for like three minutes. I remember that, and I was like, "Oh my god!" All right, so you show up there, you see this. This was a crowd pretty big. Was it like? Uh, no, it wasn't packed. It was a good, decent Tuesday night. Do you remember the order? Do you remember what number you went up? I was like seventh. That's not bad. Not that's bad. Like, yeah, that's kind of just that's. Just after the sweet spots of the middle, but you don't you don't know anything about sweet spots, right? <laughs> You're right. just like oh, I'm deeper in the order. Good, I can watch. Yeah, yeah. And if I have a chance, I could run and right. leave. Right? But, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. Saying. I remember starting, and the later I was on the show, the better. I'm like, okay, I don't, I can I can delay the torture, right? Sort of thing. I'm like, oh fuck it. But now oh, I'm just man. like, I'll go up first if you want, so I can go home. That's you know. Brutal. Yeah, I remember. And so, how did that first set go? It went good. Yeah, because all I did was make fun of the guy before me because he was reading his whole act off a of paper. Right. So I was just imitating that. I kind of went old school like tricks, like me in front of the like my friends, mm. just kind of imitating whatever. I didn't have no jokes. I didn't have. You didn't um, have anything prepared. I had like one joke. Right. 
but it's five minutes, right? So I was like, I'm not gonna do that joke for five minutes. So I was, but I was good at riffing. I was good at off the top stuff. So I just went up there and I was like, this guy just wrote this whole thing off of paper. And he was, I was just imitating that and adding like, you know, ad-libs in there and people were laughing and I was like, okay, cool. Then I did the joke that I actually prepared, which was the bus stop joke. And then he was like, man, that was great. And I was like, oh, this mean man just said I was great, good. And then Arthur went on after me and he, he did even better. Right. And he's like, yeah, I love you guys. And he booked us. He would always book us. Like, we always got on Tuesdays. So that was encouraging, mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah, that was... That's pretty ballsy for a first time to just kind of go off script and just... Because that's a tactic that, you know, you do later. Like, I'll do that now. If someone goes up before me and does something that absolutely needs to be addressed, like yeah. if someone read their entire act, you kind of have to address that shit because people are still thinking about that when you're still up, when you go up. That's, I mean, to do that on your first time, that's that's ballsy, I was I was more scared. Right. I, I'm not gonna take any credit for it, man. Right. I was I was scared. I'm like, I'm just gonna deflect the attention off of me and put it on that guy. And it just worked in my favor. And what so okay, so you do that set, you get off stage, and are you like, okay, fuck, I'm a comic now? No. Not by any means. I was like, I kinda wanna I I can do this, but I wanna do it better. So that's when I started coming up with stuff. You know what I mean? And because he put us on every week almost, every week. And Jack was the type of guy, he'd call you out like if it was bullshit material or if, if it was- If he had heard like, it before. If he heard it before, he, he had no problems calling you out. But he understood, you didn't, have to, you didn't have to do new every Tuesday. He just wanted to see that you were working. Right. He didn't want, he didn't want to see the same five for like two months. You know, first a month, if you're working the stuff out, cool. And that's what I did. But then, eventually, it's like, come on, man, you gotta write. You gotta have more than five minutes. And yeah, yeah. So, in a weird way, Jack Norman would also offstage, nicest guy. Like, you know, he was always helping and encouraging us, giving us, you know, pointers and stuff like that. Because at one point, Jack Norman was the man at one point. And then, I don't know what happened, but... Yeah, where's that guy now? I have no clue. I haven't seen him in years. Yeah, shit. It's funny yeah. how that happens in comedy. Because people, especially in the comedy community, put so much stock into what someone does on stage. So yeah. if they're brilliant, oh, he's just the best guy ever. It doesn't even matter what, yeah. what what else he does off stage. And then certain people just disappear. And it's like, oh, my God, that guy was I don't know everything. what happened to him. I wish I knew where he was, man. I mean, because I'm one of those guys, when people talk about Jack Norman, I always remember to, to just understand that that guy gave me so much stage time. Yeah. And, and, and I'm forever indebted to him. For, for that I only know him from from hearsay like others like for, for example that story you just told or I had uh, Vaudry on the podcast yeah. and he sort of started this crash and burn Tuesday night and then eventually that went into sink or swim which Jack Norman took over yeah. and so I've only heard stories of him but I've never met the guy or anything I've and I've only ever heard him or heard about him uh, for Tuesday night shows I've never heard of him Otherwise, like, well, I didn't know him before that either until you'd go into like you'd start meeting comics because a lot of the older comics would come around sometimes, right? And you know you start hanging out with some of the older comics who who told stories, and then you then they would tell you about Jack Norman and how at one point he was like the man, and then I saw like a now cover at, at the Yuck Yucks offices later later in life I saw uh, his his now cover. 
and how he, because I guess he was one of the first guys to really go dark on stage, kind of Jason Rouse-ish. And I guess in his time, that wasn't really a thing that people did. So when you did it, you were like, oh my God, who's this guy? You were on the cover now. Yeah. What was that for? Um, It was it was a Black History show going down at the Harborfront Center. And they usually do great press for it. And every year, they they do a different type of show. But it's the same weekend. So sometimes they'll say, Kenny Robinson, come do bring in the Nubian show and do it there. Or they'll say, hey, Jay Martin, come put together a show. And this year, they came to me. And they were like, hey, Trix, we want you to present the show this year. And I guess for me doing the show, they got um, they got now to cover it. And then now just said, you know, why don't we just put you on the cover and just make you the... Because Glenn Sumi, was uh, he's another guy that was pretty instrumental in that whole thing as well. Um, he gave me a great article. And they're like, well, we'll just give him the cover. And then they just put me on the cover, which is kind of cool. Oh, so he's like reviewed your shows and stuff before? Yeah, and I was mortified every time. Right. Yeah, yeah funny people like really, really care about what he thinks i don't care what any comedian says they care yeah you care because he's the only he's one of the few if not the only guys that is actually reviewing shows yeah he's the like in this city he's the guy yeah he, he, he goes to the show he watches he's i don't know any other person that does that you know i could be wrong but he's one of those guys that will review it. and he doesn't and what i love about glenn he will never tell you what you want to hear it's always his real feeling. So if you get a good review that it's coming from a real place, because I've seen what he can do when he doesn't like something and how deep he goes. Yeah, well, that whole Martha Chavez article. Jesus that Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn. Uh, the, the wrath of Glenn Seamy there. Yeah. Shit. I've seen a couple of reviews where he just torches whomever, and it's like... Well, even Walking Shaw, he reviewed her one time. She was, I think, actually was a Thursday night at Yaks, and she was doing a spot, and mm -hmm. she was just kind of like... I, you know, went there from work and didn't think much about her set and went yeah. there and sh he reviewed her as very scattered and unfocused. And, oh, man, did I hear that? I heard that because we're neighbors, right? So I yeah. see her all the time. I heard the term scattered and unfocused like a thousand times since uh, then. <laughs> wow. I, I mean, I, I remember hearing about that. I didn't read that one. Uh, the, the, I, the one I read was what, the one he did on Arthur Simeon and Dave's show, Dave Murhaj's show. They did a show together. And he just torched Murhaj. No way. What he torched he it was so he torched Murhaj where he like the there was a picture of Arthur and Dave and he cut Dave out of the picture and named the 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 article Awesome Arthur. Oh and God. I was like, Jesus. And but at the end of the day, I I don't mind bad reviews, but there's bad reviews and then there's like, okay. What did you do to this guy? <laughs> like, I remember asking Dave, like, did you fuck his sister? Or <laughs> what did you do? Because this seems personal. But th there's that, okay? But it also goes to show that it's really no reflection. I mean, it's one guy's opinion. And so it's yeah, subjective. Because, yeah. like, you know, Mirhaj is a great comic. Yeah, we all know that. He slays... Right? 99% of the rooms that he'll... he'll. And I, and I like to think... I've seen a, a, Mur a Dave Mirhaj off day. And I'm like, it could not have been as bad as you're describing it. Right. Like, it could not have been. You know, we all have off days. Oh, of all of us do. Of course. And you're describing, like, one of the top comics in the country. But it, it wasn't even, I just felt like if you read it, it's it wasn't even about the act anymore. It was like, you. I just, you're like, it's okay, you, you just don't like this guy. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I, I fear 
if that's what you say about one of the top comics in this country, I, I am deathly afraid of what you're going to say about me. And he reviewed me one time and I saw it and it was good. And he's always giving me good reviews. And I was like, okay. Well, let's talk about your, your start a little more. So you start on Tuesday nights because you got some heat pretty quick. Am I, am I right to think that? Um, you kind of came out of the gate strong. Yes and no. Yes and no. I, I, I came out of the gate strong because, uh, I guess, you know, I guess you could say yes because of who I knew. Right, because what people don't know is I was an avid student of this whole thing before going on stage. Like, I watched. I remember John Paul at my prom, dude. Like, I remember that, and I remember him. I remember. This is when I didn't even have comedy in my mind. I remember seeing Gilson Lubin. Is that right? At at certain bars that I was just hanging out at, I remember Gilson Lubin like in his prime. I remember John Paul. In his, like, I mean, John Paul is John Paul. You know, I don't actually, I should take that back. I don't want to say in their primaries because it implies like they're not good anymore. Mm-hmm. But I've seen these guys when they were young, put it that way. I've seen Gilson, I've seen Mark Trinidad, I remember Kenny Robinson, I remember all these guys, I remember the shows, and I used to go to them. I remember the Nubian show at Young and Eglinton. And is that people, right? Well, wow. and people getting booed on the way to the stage. So, you're somewhat a, so you were somewhat of a comedy nerd. I used, I just used to go to I used to go where all my friends would go. So I remember I remember comedy shows and not I'm not even it wasn't even in the interest of being a comic. It was just going for a night out. And I remember uh, Jay Martin is a well known promoter comic. Well, he's a comic who promotes great events. I knew him ever. He knew he's known me since I was twelve, twelve years old. So I already had an in before I was in. Right. And that may not be fair, but I had the in before. But even when I got into comedy, I still kind of had to show and prove to those guys. Yeah, I mean, it's who you know helps, but you also have to to bring it. Yeah. So right. I was I was put on big shows early in my career. Right. Really early. But yeah, because people say that about the show business, or like sometimes it's who you know. It's like yeah, that's life actually in any it, business. Is right. Who, it's who you know. I, I just it's like okay, look at the end of the day, I'm I'm all about paying dues. You do have to pay your dues and. I can see how some people would think that I didn't because I didn't really have to go through 10 years of just bars and stuff. I was thrown on and open mics. I was thrown on big shows early. And don't get it twisted. I had to fail on some of those shows. I remember being put on big shows and bombing. Yeah, do you have some like a story? Do you have a story that comes to mind of you bombing on a big show? Dude, uh, Cedric Newman saved my ass one time. I will never forget it. I remember uh, Jay Martin... Uh, he saw me at the Nubian show, and this is my friend. This is a guy I was tw- he's known me since I was 12, and he kind of made me audition for him in a way, and I-, I respect that. I'm like, do not hand me anything. Sends me on this corporate uh, Christmas party gig. This is grown folks, okay? This is grown folks. This is at least 300 people. It's me and Cedric, okay? <laughs> I have no clue. I remember all up, up until this point, all I've done is yuck yucks. Right. All I know is the stage and the intimacy of a comedy club. How long have you been in the game at this point? Not even three years. Okay. Not even three years. Okay. I'm going to say just above two years. Okay. And I'm, I'm just starting to pick up steam on the Nubian show. So this is all I know. So I'm thinking I can do that anywhere. So I go into this place. <laughs> And it's just people dressed up, grown folks. You know, they don't want to hear too much fucking shits. You know, they're eating, 
Cedric is a pro, so he knows how to handle this, no yeah, problem. Yeah. So I'm first because I'm the rookie, and I'm cocky as fuck. And that was one of my biggest, <laughs> biggest issues with me. If you knew me back in the day, I was super, super arrogant, and I was cocky. So I thought I could do any room. No room's problem for tricks. Walk into this room, first joke's crickets. Second joke, crickets. To the point where I had to draw from my closer for the third joke, crickets. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, my closer's not working. They don't like my closer. I am fucked. And I have to go 15 minutes oh, more. So I, I remember running on my time. I, I bailed so fast. And Cedric was just in the corner going, hmm. And then Cedric made up the time. Cedric Newman made up the time. And, and Cedric, obviously, he crushed. And yeah. I obviously set him up to look like a fucking comedy genius. Because right. I sucked. Uh, I sucked. I, I remember doing, I remember even just trying to make up stories. It was bad. It was bad. That's so funny. I did. Some, I've told this story in the podcast a, a couple of times, so I won't go through every detail, but first time I ever did Idiox in Ajax, I was like a year and a half, two years in, and people had told me, oh, it's your first weekend in Ajax? Yeah, yeah. you're going to eat a bag of dicks. Like, it's it's a hard <laughs> room, right? And so, like, three people told me this. I'm like, fuck, motherfucker. So I show up there with this me-against-them attitude. I'm right. like, fuck these people. Right. And I'm already scared and against them. And it's on a Thursday night. It's the first night of the weekend. I'm middling, and it's Ron Jossel hosting. Oh, God. I'm middling, and Jen Grant headlining. And so you walk in there on a Thursday, and they would often do comedy for a cause. On Thursdays, Ajax, the weekends, often go, like, best show on Thursday, and it slowly, like, drops. It's interesting, through. yeah, yeah. And so I show up, and the room is buzzing. And you can often tell the energy in the room by how many people are still standing when the show's starting. <laughs> And so the the you know the, the Ramones are playing the show's about to start and there's like a bunch of people still standing and there's a buzz in the room I'm like oh fuck what the hell nothing like some Blitzkrieg pop right <laughs> exactly get them going I hear the song now and I still get like a pit in my stomach I'm like oh fuck dude I hear lose yourself and I want to throw shit <laughs> or uh, the good times roll oh goodness uh, gracious anyway um so Ron goes up. And he doesn't do any crowd work. He's just doing his triple A material, <laughs> and he's destroying. That's like jostle, he's, man. yeah, it's jostle. That's jostle. So he's blowing the roof off the place. And because there's such like a buzz in the room, he's just trying to set up the show in like, okay, this is how it works. Set up punch, you laugh. This he's not gonna mm -hmm. waste his time doing crowd work on mm -hmm. this one, particularly because they just need to know how to behave. So he's like set up punch. It's like he's killing. And I'm in the back of the room pacing the fuck. I'm like, oh my God, oh, what yeah, am I going to do? Because you're next. I'm next. Oh, shit. And so again, he doesn't break the fourth wall at all, doesn't talk to one person. He just does this big closer and uproarious applause. And then he's like, all right, give it up. I'm going to bring up your next uh, comedian. Are you guys ready? And they're like, yeah. And they bring me. And I'm like a year and a half, maybe two years in. So I have I have my act. It's 20 minutes at the most. That's what I have material-wise. That's what I'm contract right. contracted to do. Right. And I'm I can't I'm at the stage where I can't deviate from my act at all. If I if I go out, I, I just I don't feel comfortable, right? So I know I just go through my act. And I know I have these certain time markers. Like I'm at this joke, I'm like eight minutes in. At this joke, I'm like 19 minutes in. So I go up 
do my opener, same thing, fucking crickets. Ugh. I'm like, oh shit. Cause I just, I must have just, they smelt blood from the second I walked up on stage. I Ugh. was just like full of fear and kind of like, fuck you. And I go up, crickets, second bit, crickets, third bit, cricket. And then they just start talking amongst themselves. They're like, well, fuck this guy. Then there's like a buzz, a little hum in the Ugh. room. They're just like talking. Ugh. And I'm dropping tags. I'm burning through all my material. And I get to the, the to the point in my act where I'm usually 18, 19 minutes in. So I know I'm almost done. And I had an iPod touch on on the <laughs> on the stool behind me, mm-hmm. timing myself. And I turn around and I look and I'm nine minutes in. And I've it's burned the longest nine minutes of oh, your life, huh? But I've burned through everything that I had because I was just going for the setup and the the best punchline of that premise, dropping everything else. I was dropping bits out. And then I'm like, Fuck. My last bit at that point was some stupid act out that I would do about like eating in a food court where there's no dialogue. I was just acting out. And I wasn't about to do that to a room that had been silent the entire time, right? Because <laughs> right. that only works when it's working. Like, right. when and so I, my big closer was, um, so uh, uh, there's a fundraiser here? They're like, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, cool, cool. So who's, uh, who's organizing this thing? I'm like, I'll get on their side. This woman like very reluctantly puts her hand Raise up her hand. she's like uh i am i'm like cool cool all right thanks a lot everybody that's my time. wow oh. <laughs> and then jocelyn is outside smoking so i'm just standing on stage i knew like okay you just wait for the mc to come on stage right. then you go off i knew like certain things like that i was still very green so i'm waiting nothing nothing and then the club doors swing open and then he, he runs up on up. stage yeah and then proceeds to just destroy. Again, yeah. And then Jen goes up and blows the roof off the place. And I was just, I laid on that couch in the green room. I avoided Steve, I'm the the club manager there. I'm like, oh my god, I can't. This is my first impression. I'm like, I, I oh, it was fucking you feel like awful. Because right? oh I, I I know, man. I just and I've had I've had those moments, but I you know, I, looking back on me. I walked around like that never happened to me. Right, right. You know what I mean? I walked around Toronto like that never happened, but it did. Yeah, yeah. yeah it did. I remember, I, re- I remember Boston. I remember... Uh, I what remember, happened in Boston? Uh, I had a very... Again, two years in, I had a decent uh, show with this guy named Cypher Sounds in New York. He used to do this, kind of like similar to Kenny Robinson's room, okay. but his was like every third Tuesday. Packed. Because Cypher Sounds is like on the most popular radio station in New York, which is Hot 97. And so he had everyone out on a Tuesday. And um, just doing well in that room. So he goes, I'm taking this show to Boston. I want to bring you. So I'm like, sure. Cocky as fuck. Yeah, bring Boston. I'm going to fuck Boston up. So we get to Boston. Not the same setup. Just It's in a club. But still, people are there. And they know Cypher from, you know... Uh, his reputation on Hot 97, even though that's not in that, it's not in Boston, whatever. Right. So this comic goes up and does um, something to do about Nintendo, and I had a very generic Nintendo joke, and you just like like you, how you blow it in the uh, thing. Yeah, but the way I've written it then was it was just about the blowing. I've changed it since, but right. it, it was very generic. I just said blowed, by the way. <laughs> so. A million comics have this joke. Right. So you just have to understand that. But two years in, you're not thinking, my joke's better. I don't give a fuck. I'm doing this anyway. So he does the oh, joke. Fuck. He does the joke, and it gets the reaction it's supposed to get because nostalgic jokes rarely fail. Right. Especially that one. Mm-hmm. And 
I go up there and I'm doing my I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm not bombing yet. I'm doing okay. They're kind of like, let's see what this Canadian kid can do kind of vibe I'm getting in there. And then I hit them with that joke. And they give me this, didn't you just, didn't we just hear that face? Oh, so they all, I lose them immediately. Right. Because they're like, this guy, this motherfucker just took that other guy's joke. So now they're talking amongst themselves. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and I'm, it's the longest. So I go into my killer, I had a wicked roller coaster bit. And they weren't even listening. Uh, they didn't care. They're like, no, this guy sucks. So they're talking, talking. I'm just waiting. I, I, at any moment, I'm thinking I'm going to get booed because they were talking literally amongst themselves. Like that sound when you walk into a room yep. before the show starts. Yep. That's the sound that was there when I was oh, on stage. And Cypher's just kind of like, you, I could see Cypher. I could see him kind of like, I man, like wrap it up. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I, like, I disappointed him too. And I came off the stage and I just remember, like, you know, they give you that. That yeah, was, yeah. That was, that was all right, tricks. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I remember I just didn't, I haven't been back to Boston since oh, either. Fuck. But I was like, man, fuck. And that's when I learned, like, you need to really have, first you need to have an array of jokes mm -hmm. just in case somebody steps on right. one of your premises or whatever. And how about you don't do the premise right. when somebody's done it already? That shows how much material I had. <laughs> And and how cocky I was. That's funny. You know like I mean? mine will be better. Mine will be better. Dude, I, that's exactly how I was. I was a real, like I was a prick. When did that change? You say you say that past tense. So did something happen to change you, or just eventually became confident in your own ability? There to was a, there was a few things that happened. I mean, the the main thing that kind of humbled me obviously was this this whole situation that just recently passed, which I'm sure we'll get into. But. Um, just, just life, like even just talking to older comics, because I befriended John Paul and I befriended Kenny Robinson. And I befriended Jay. I mean, and me and Jay Martin were already close friends, and I befriended Mark Trinidad and Gilson, and you know, they always took the time to pull me aside and remind me what happens to cocky comics. You know, those I always have a respect for those guys because they always pulled me aside and they were never afraid to tell me real shit. Like, John Paul's not afraid to say, hey, man, you might want to bring it down a notch. You're new. You know, you haven't done this yet. You haven't done this yet. You haven't. Not in a, not in a, uh, I'm, a I'm an older comic better than you way. More in like, I see the potential you have, but I could also see you fucking your Don't own fuck career up. up. Yeah. yeah. And that was John Paul's approach with me, always. To this day, it's the same way. Like, I know what you can do, but as a friend, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to tell you that this is what's going to happen if you do this kind of thing. And I remember just always being on the road with those guys and listening to the stories of comics that that's happened to and even their own personal stories. So it brought, you know, and, and a lot of Ackwright shows too. I call those, you know, shows where you kind of bomb when you think yep. of the man. I call yeah, those yeah, yeah, Ackwright yeah. shows. <laughs> the, when they, those life lesson shows that teach you, you're not as good as you think you are, man. Right. So I guess as you get older in the business, you kind of say to yourself, okay, I need to change my ways a little well, bit. Well, we're doing a show tonight at, at Absolute Comedy, which yeah. by the time you're listening to this will be last night, which hopefully everything went well. I haven't been, been on stage and get this two months, bro. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm not, like I know it'll be Two fun. months. It'll be fun. Yeah, I just kind of, I yeah, just. You've been busy, man. Been very busy. And the last run I did was in North Carolina in July. I did, oh, wow. it was like 10 shows in eight days or whatever. It was great. And I got back, I did a show at the Comedy Bar, 
And then I've just been so busy, mm-hmm. I haven't been up on stage, and I'm doing, I'm hosting these theater shows in Ottawa this weekend. So I'm like, sick. I gotta get a a practice set in. Um, I want to get a few in. I know. I want to get a few in, man. I know. Imagine if me and you both bomb tonight. <laughs> we both bomb on the show. Right. Well, I'm already setting it up for like if I do, uh, I have an excuse. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> You're not gonna bomb. No, it'll be fine. It's it's muscle just, memory, man. It's amazing how you can get in your own head. Like I've been doing this for myself nine years. And, uh, you know, it's going to be fine, but it, it's crazy how mm-hmm. you can just get in your own head and be your own worst enemy. Oh, no. Thankfully, I quit smoking pot a while ago. So Did it, you? Yeah. Oh, good for you, man. I kind of had to. It was kind of ruining everything for me. But thankfully, because if I hadn't, I would have smoked today already once or twice, and I would be fucked tonight. Like, I'd have I have to would call be, you and be like, hey, Julian, you're supposed to be here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, no. I'm gonna announce you on stage. First of all, minutes. you'd be leaving me a voicemail because I would not answer. <laughs> you'd be sleeping. Yeah. Uh, Julian, know where you are, but you should be here. Um, so you mentioned this whole thing that happened to you uh, recently, and I yeah. would be remiss not to talk about it because it's oh, a, it. it's a big thing. So let's get into it. Uh, we talked about it a little bit over the phone before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I told you how I feel about it, but um, I know some people will actually just probably listen to this episode, seeing if you do talk about it. Sure. So we kind of let's uh, just get into it. So. I'll set it up quickly for people, and then we'll we'll get into it. So yeah. about, I don't know, a few months ago, I don't remember when this whole thing exploded. I haven't been honestly paying much attention to it, right. but when it did come out, someone uh, very innocently posted, there's this Facebook group called the Toronto Stand-Up Community, which is arguably the biggest waste of time, especially if you're a new comic. People <laughs> just spend so much energy on that place, Ugh. and uh, it's like, just go write jokes. How right. about that? Right. Um, but there's some great resources on there, like the the rooms, and, and not to take in away, uh, anything away from Joel uh, Boxdale. I don't think he, you know, yeah, because I don't think he put it... He, he, I think he set it up for comics to... I think it was meant for comics to interact with right. comics, and if like you got rooms, you yeah. let, it's a good way for to let everybody know. And there's a great rooms doc, but it's kind of turned into this weird thing. And, yeah. and now there's so many members, you don't know who's who's who. And absolutely. Anyway, so someone uh, innocently posted, uh, "Oh, hey, has, has anyone?" I'm paraphrasing. I didn't I didn't pull anything up <laughs> for this interview. Well, just, I didn't read the threats. So I'm listening right. to you. Is something like, oh hey, has anyone else um, been contacted by Tricks to to have their feet filmed for an Xbox? Because I'm still waiting for my Xbox. It was a pretty innocent post, and that garnered like I think fourteen or fifteen hundred comments. Yeah, it just kind of exploded into this thing, where a bunch of other comics came forward saying, oh yeah, that happened to me a year ago. That happened to me four years ago. That happened to me three years ago. And like, I don't know, maybe something like 20 or 30 people were like, oh mm-hmm. shit, that happened to me. Some people were saying it was in the context of you telling them that they would either, it was for a show, it was for a prank show. Uh, some people said that it was an audition for a video on Chala, which we didn't touch yet, but we'll get into how you got into all that. We'll, we'll get back to your, we'll get your back to yeah, it. we'll get back to that. But let's just, since you mentioned it, let's, let's talk about it. So what the fuck was that, man? Um, the truth of it was, you know, I had a, well, I, I'm not going to say had, I have, I don't think I have it anymore because I think this whole thing beat it out of me in a way. But I had a foot fetish and I came up with a weird way to appease that fetish, but not in the way that you saw or read a lot of people tried to turn it sexual and stuff like that. My foot fetish is not that serious, but it kind of is because I came up with this weird way to appease the fetish. 
And it was pretty much as simple as me looking. That's pretty. That's the the truth of it. You like the like the look of feet. It's the it's and it, it's it, they have to be positioned a certain way. I don't know where it came from. I don't know the origin of it. Uh, I'm trying to be as brutally honest as I can because I'm more comfortable telling the truth now. Um, I, I gotta say before we get into it, already, I admire you for saying that much. No, no. I'm. I mean, it, it's. I think it's time to face certain truths about myself, and that's that's one of the the the, the whole things about this whole situation is. I had to figure out I'm gonna I'm gonna use this to make me a better guy. Right. And one of the ways you have to do that is you have to face yourself. And we hate doing that. Well, it's it, but it's also in your best interest to do so. Interest to do so because people start speculating and coming to their own conclusions. Oh, dude, really. I've heard I've heard so many uh, I've heard so many conclusions, and I just like okay, let me. The only way this ends is if you come clean and tell the truth. You can you just have to do that. So fine. So the truth of it is I've always enjoyed the look of feet positioned a certain way. And it's not just guys' feet. It's girls' feet too. It's just women didn't go on the, the net and destroy like the guys did. Oh, so so you, all, also, you also asked women there, to do there this. There were girls too. But the, you only saw the male comics talking about it. So in everyone's minds, it's just a guy thing. So he has to be homosexual, which I'm not. So, um, And it's simple. It's very simple as me looking and enjoying it and that's it enjoying it in a way where i can actually stare at it and that's it you wouldn't beat off to it no, or anything like that because the people that were doing it they could easily have gotten up and turned around and, and caught me mid whatever if i was so there was no gun to anyone's heads or anything so they could have got up at any moment oh because what do you mean like because they weren't necessarily all videos you would just ask them to do this in in person like what do you, or well, you, would I you shoot the, the videos i gave them the impression that i was i would film them because I said you have to be filmed for like whatever. Um, I said I had like scavenger hunt, or I said um, you have to film this for uh, auditions for this or whatever. So I gave them the impression that I was filming them. But I will be very brutally honest, and I kept saying it to people, but nobody believed me, which I understand why. I never filmed anyone. I never did. Because they thought that I would film them, and then I could keep it for my own personal enjoyment. So. So paint the picture a little bit for me. So, so you what I would do is I would say, hey, Julian, um, I'm in a scavenger hunt. And one of the challenges of that scavenger hunt is this particular thing where you gotta, I got to get somebody to lay down and read a book. And they got to have their feet positioned a certain way. That was it. Um, I get prizes for this uh, scavenger hunt. And I'll give you one of the prizes. Nine out of ten times people chose the Xbox. And you'd be like, that was up to you to go, yeah or no. Most people, yeah, sure, fuck, I'll do it, I don't care. I'll help you out, kind of thing. And you're doing this in person? In person. Okay. Um, and then they would do it, and then that would be it. You wouldn't film them or anything? Like, where did they think this would go? Like, you were just... They thought, well, they thought that I was filming it for the purpose of the challenge. Right. And then... Which was which? There was no challenge. So, but there there were some video. There, there was some video taking. No. Oh no. No, they thought that, but like the way they're lying down, like I'm behind them. Right. So you'd never, no one's ever seen me film. They just thought that I was. Okay, so you so you get someone to lie down on their back. Yeah. Read a book. No, not on their back, on their stomach. On their stomach. Yeah. Read a book or whatever. And they so people have just assumed that you're recording, but you're just standing and you're just standing there and watching. Between me and you, 
eight out of the ten times I was staring, and then the other minute and a half left, I was playing Subway Surfers or like Bejeweled. On your phone? Yeah. So you never, ever documented any of it? No. No. And so there's not a big file like, like a no, thumb like, drive out there with all these no, videos? Of there's no uh, flash drive. There's no... My computers don't have passwords, so people could either easily go on them and look. I don't have like phones with feet files. But I also have to empathize and understand why people would think that because it doesn't make any sense. Like why would you just... It doesn't make sense for us to believe that you're just staring at them. Right. And I get that. And I've had people say that to my face. Like, and it's non-sexual whatsoever. No. And but and so some people you would get to do more than once? Yeah, some people did it multiple times and some people did it one time. And how would you get them to do it multiple times? Uh, make up stuff like, hey, it, it didn't film properly. Just that simple. Just so you could see it again. Yeah. And that's why I was saying to people, this is why you need to know I didn't feel me because some of you guys did it multiple times, like multiple times. Did you did you ever ask anyone to send you a video of them of their feet or anything like that? Uh there was one. Uh, there was a few incidents where I'd say, "Hey, film yourself doing it and send it to me." Um, but I don't know what I did with those. Right. I usually would erase those and stuff like that. Yeah. Because sometimes those guys, I would make them come in and do it anyway. Right. Kind of thing. But there was no. Let's make it clear to people: there's no beating off to the videos that were sent. There to really you wasn't. Or- there, there wasn't. And, um, but I also have to say to myself because at first when this whole thing came out, man, I was so defensive and so angry and so mad, um, just because it's a bunch of people all at the same time coming at you, and I didn't know how to handle it. I really didn't. So I was mad. You know, sometimes you'd see Facebook posts, or sometimes. I'd be like, man, you forget you guys. But what what really made me genuinely mad, which I'm which I'm not really as upset now as I was before, was the guys who I didn't do anything to that had more to say. And here's the thing with me personally, I am not above ball busting. Hey man, when it was when the thread was about just busting my balls, I took it. I was like, hey man, because I know me, I'd probably bust balls too. So bust away man and there was some funny there were some funny jokes that were said back to me but then it turned into like this hurtful thread it 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 didn't even become about what i did anymore it was more about like yeah and you know what else he did and i was just like wow and then there were some outlandish stories coming out of it too that never even happened and i was just like okay now it's becoming pretty lynchy i remember i used to get phone calls from certain comics that'd be like okay it's getting pretty lynchy now it's not even well, I feel like some of the because we did talk about how you you got on these big shows early on in your career. Yeah. We yeah, I think a lot of people were jealous of you, okay, when you first started and got all this thing. So then now they had a justified reason to to publicly say things about you, you know, whether or not they were directly affected by it or not. I, I'm going to say that some of it might have been jealousy, but I also have to take the onus on myself because I remember me coming up and I remember how arrogant I was. And you don't see that at first when you're when you're in it. You don't look at yourself. You don't think you're doing anything wrong. And I have to take responsibility for myself saying that I gave some of these guys the fuel to be jealous or resentful because I wasn't the nicest guy at first. Like I wasn't the humblest guy. I was a diva when I was coming up. You know, I thought I was the shit. So you take all of that and you combine that with their maybe personal resentment. Because I have I have my best friend 
in comedy, who's Landry, he admitted to me at one point that he was kind of jealous. But we're not enemies now because I never we I never did anything to to fuel that jealousy. He was more like, you know, I, it, I was a little jealous that you were getting stuff too, man, but I was also happy for you at the same time. You know what I mean? But with the other guys who I didn't know, I kind of I, I kind of fueled that jealousy a little bit. You know, sometimes I would over-exaggerate on, on projects that I was working on or I over-exaggerated on things that I was doing and that's adding to their jealousy. You know what I mean? So I have to look back, like, trust me, this whole situation has given me so much reflection in the sense that, man, you know what? Maybe if you were a better guy, and I was to some comics because there were some comics who messaged me personally and they were like, you know what, man? I don't care what you're into. You've always been a good guy to me. Because later in my career, I was nicer to the newer comics. I was a better guy to the newer comics. And it was those guys that reached out to me and was like, you know what, we don't care. You know, you were a good guy to me. You've helped me when I needed you. You've, you've, you've answered questions. You were nothing but good to me. So you know what, I got your back. And I have those messages. And that's what kind of got me through it because I didn't know, I didn't know, I've heard stories of like when you get attacked on the internet, what it does to your body stress-wise. I've heard stories, little girls trying to you know commit suicide and stuff like that. I had no idea what it was like and it really sucks. So, but you also have to remember that if you didn't do A, B wouldn't have happened. So I have to, so I, sitting in my room, it beat me down for about a week. I was I, I can out. Imagine, man. I was out of it for a week, and thank God for some of the comics who were actual human beings. Some of them were checking up on me to see if I would if I was going to commit suicide, and I was talked off the ledge a couple of times. Trust me, because at one point I was like, "Oh, it's over. I'm done." I had that. You 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 can't help but have those thoughts in your head. What are people going to think about me? What if this leaks into the general public? Then there were podcasts coming out, and I was just like, "Oh, did it leak into the general pu- public?" It did. At all? Yeah, it did. But one thing that I did, the best thing I could have done was to own it. And at first I didn't own it fully. I owned it, not half-assed, I owned it to the point where they're like, wow, he's actually not going on the thread and like, you know, trying to beef with every single comic. You know how some guys would yeah. get on Twitter and they just reply to everybody. Just, you're going, it's like a two hour beef with all these. I was like, no, I'm, I can't do that. And I'm not going to. I did do some of these things. That's the bottom line. And the people that I did them to have every right to be upset. Every right. You yeah, do you to. feel like you violated violated, or, or people use the words uh, harassed? I uh, mean, people whole... say sexually harassed because people just automatically assumed it's for sexual purposes that you're doing this. Do you feel like you owe these people an apology? Have you apologized to anybody directly? I have. I have. And... Um, there was no sexual harassment, but at the same time, you have to take that and say, well, I could see why you think that. What about when it was women involved? Women was worse. Right. Women was worse because there were some girls who felt like they're, they were more mad at their trust being violated. Um, the smart thing that I did was I contacted a lot of people as it was coming out. So they were like, wow. Well, some of them were like, it's kind of crappy you did that, but thank you for telling me and telling me the truth so I didn't have to hear it from someone else. And the ones who heard it on a podcast, they would call me directly and be like, what, what is this I'm hearing? And then I would have to explain it and take what comes next. Some of them were, some were forgiving. Like some were like, well, you know, if you say that you never, you know, used it for sexual purpose, I guess I believe you, you know, 
sucks that you did that, but at least you're at least you didn't like avoid my calls or I didn't have to like keep calling you down to find out. At least you told me what happened when I asked you. And I guess I I, I guess I'm just gonna have to compress it and deal with it my own personal way. And some of them were cool. Some made it easy. Some didn't. Some were super mad. Are some people still really pissed? Absolutely. About it? Yeah. Some people, you know, put posts up on their Facebook trying to like sabotage my career and stuff. And and can you see where they're coming from? Yeah, you know bit? what? And I had to be empathetic. As much as I was so mad, I was like, you don't have to go after my livelihood. But at the same time, you have to be a man and say, dude. You violated somebody's trust, and not everyone's going to take it the way you want them to take it. Some people are going to be so mad at you that they're going to do crazy things. And some people are going to be mad but human about it and say, well, I'm pissed off. I don't want to talk to you for a week. Let me digest this, and then I'll deal with you in a week. Fine. But I was also ready to be like, come what may, man. I was like, come what may. Like, I was wrong, so I have to just take it. And I'm gonna walk through the fire for a bit. It's calming down now. And I've actually had, like I have messages from comics apologizing. And I'm like, you don't have to apologize to me. I owe you an apology. I'm still very close friends with one person in particular who did it multiple times, multiple times. And they were like, you know, I think that this situation is gonna make you a better person. And they stuck by me through it. And like you have to really understand like there were some people that were really genuine friends throughout this whole thing. And they even made me feel shittier because I was like, man, you have every right to hate my guts right now. Like you shouldn't even be speaking to me. As a matter of fact, you should be in there with those guys on the thread saying a whole bunch of shit. But you're not. Yeah, because kind of the like the whole community turned on you at some point, you know. Yeah, and I and mean, you know, of obviously excluding the comics that message you personally. No, there were some. There were some that you know, and like like I said, and there were weekends I've done. I've done weekends with some comics that were mad, and I was like, "This is going to be a crappy weekend." Because did probably, they just not talk to you? No, no, not at all. Like I remember, and I can name them because they're great guys. I remember doing a weekend with Monty Scott and DJ Demers. They spoke their mind on it. They did not in an attacking way. Not in a way that made me feel like that guy in a corner. They spoke their mind because some of their friends were affected by it. And they were like, you know what? I was pissed at you, man. I think what you did was really shitty. Explain it. And I could have been defensive and go, well, I didn't do it to you, so I don't know your explanation. But I was like, no, you guys, are, you guys want to talk about it? Let's talk about it. And we spoke about it. They said their piece. I said mine. And it ended. The consensus was, you know what? I don't wish you any ill will. I think what you did was crappy. And as long as you do your best to make it right, I'm cool with you. And I respect that, you know, because it could have been totally different. And, totally different. And they could have, and, and they're, in, they're within their right, you know, to do that. And I've had some comics that kind of like, you know, give me the cold look and the stuff. But on my end too, man, and I know this is going to sound pretty shitty, but there are some people that I probably will never be friends with again because it wasn't about, and I really feel this, it wasn't about what I did. I think you use this to, to really put out how you really feel about me some people said some real hurtful things where i was like and i didn't even do anything to you and this is how you really feel you're not even one of the guys that i affected they they should be on here just torching me and they're not even doing as much as you are and i'm like there were certain names on that list because i remember people calling me and it was always the same few guys like what did you ever do to this person and i was like nothing but I guess this is how they felt all along. It was over like a five-year span. Did you at any point think 
this could blow up in your face. Absolutely. Yeah. Were Absolutely. you kind of like every time you did it? Did you think my maybe this will be the straw that breaks the, the camel's back, or would you just kind of hope you could get away with it? Like if this hadn't come out, would you still be doing it? Probably. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That's why, in a way, I'm kind of glad it's out. It has a freeing aspect to it. But do you think that, like, quote, fetish is gone? Do you think that... You want me to be honest with you, Julian? I'm not going to say it's gone, but I will be honest with you, man. Even just recently, just the urge to do it again, there's a fear of, nah, man, I, 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 I don't want to go through that again. And this world is very small, man. Like... Comics or comics, no friends of mine. I have friends who know comics that I don't even know they know each other. So I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to dead this issue, that means I have to dead the act. And it, and and as hard as it's gonna be, I have to. If I want peace, I just have to let it go. What do you think the ratio of guys to women is that that you did this to? Um, was it more guys than than women? Because the guys were just more. I think I, I'm gonna say more guys, just because they were guys are more like, yeah, fuck, man, I'll fucking help you out. Right. Girls are more. What do you need me to do that for? You know, girls are a little bit more. Eh. You know, this. You sure you're not trying to look in my ass? Like I've had. You know what I mean? So guys, obviously, guys more, but um, no, there's no homosexuality and there's no none of that. So Cr- tricks is not gay. No, I'm not. Uh, you're just into feet, men and women's feet, or you were. You're trying to. Are you? I'm, tr- I'm not gonna say were like it's like it's gone like it's you know just, just like Kazam. You know, I'm not gonna say I don't like feet anymore, but I will say that, like I said, the urges have been there, and I've kind of resisted all of them, and that's something I even couldn't do before. Like now, it's like even just if I'm even if I'm about to approach somebody and and do it again, I'm just like no. I, I just I can't. So you still get the urges. The urges are there. Like, you, like yeah. I'm a human being, right. man. Like it's it's not gonna just go away. But I will say, like this whole thing, especially with it dying down, I I like it died down. Right. It's out there. People know. It's out there. Do you think it'll be attached to your to your um, reputation? Do you think people will know you as as that guy that got people uh, to film or or to show them their feet? Do you think you'll be able to shake this? I mean, obviously, some comics have been attached to worse, worse things. I, I, I am shaking it to, to, to the dismay of some people who probably hope this ended me. I, I am shaking it because, like I said, I've been in cities. I've been in different cities. I still play clubs. There are club owners who know about it, and they don't, they don't you know, penalize me. I've, I've been banned from one spot. Um, which was comedy bar, and that's fine. But for the most part, I am shaking it because comics still talk to me. It's not like everywhere I go, it's like, eh, you know. Uh, for the most part, it's hey, what's up, tricks, man? You you in town? You want to do a spot? But you can kind of, and then you know, when we get a few beers in us, it's like, man, so tell me about this thing, man. Yeah, I've, and I've done. I feel like I've done press conferences in every city I've gone to. But you have to expect that, right? Like comics who respected you at one point and still kind of have that respect for you, they want to know. And I think if you, if the way you approach me, 
I have no problems talking. I've never been defensive with anybody that's approached me. I've been like, get out of here, don't talk to me. I'm like, hey, you want to know about it? Hey, man, ask me what you want. At this point, it's out. So dodging questions now is pointless. Right. You know what I mean? Did you did you dodge questions at first? Try to. Oh, dude, in the in the beginning, I was super defensive. I was super like, don't talk to me. I don't want to talk to you. As I I was very defensive because, like I said, I didn't know how to handle so many people hating you at one time. Like so many people that wanted your neck at one time. I didn't know what to do. And then I was, you know, the fear of it getting out to the wrong people and, and stuff like that. Obviously, that's going to weigh in on you. And then on top of that, the, 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 the fiction of some of it. Like a lot of people were making up stories. And I was just like, okay. You know, all of that at once sucks on a person's body. Trust me, I still deal with the effects of it now. I can imagine. But... And believe me, I'm not even trying to get sympathy here because I, I don't want to play the victim because I'm not the victim, but I was made the victim at one point. Like, at one point, I mean, what, 870 comments in? I'm the victim now. Now I'm the guy that's getting, like, torched, and it's not even about the act anymore. And now you're just bringing up a whole bunch of stuff that I had not, I, I wasn't even aware you were mad at and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, okay, guys, we, I, I get it. You, I'm a shitty human being for what I did, but this punishment is starting not to fit the crime anymore. You know what I mean? Now it's like, I don't have the right to work anymore. Like, I get it. You're mad and you have the right to be. You know, manipulating innocent people is wrong. There's no validation for it. But to, you want to strip me of my dignity and make fun of me? You want to put memes? Fine. Heck, I'll put some of them up for you. But my livelihood now... Like, it's not enough that you embarrassed me publicly. It's not enough that there are people like, man, I didn't know that about you. God damn, tricks you like me. I, I, it's not, that, that's not enough for you. Now you want to, like, take away my, like, my livelihood. I'm just like, guys, come on, man. Like, none of those guys have their livelihood taken. And I, and I don't want to sound like an asshole. I don't want to sound like they have no right to be mad because the more I talk about it, the more empathetic I am. I'm like, dude, I get it. You have every right to be mad. And I have had things said to me where I just normally, old me would have been like, in your face. But now it's just like, yeah, you're right, man. You're right. You're right. Well, by the sounds of it, you're learning from it. You're growing from it. You're getting to know yourself a little bit better. And I got to commend you on the honesty, man, because I didn't know. Obviously, I knew we were going to talk about it. I only ever heard you talk about it once. Someone had posted part of a, a uh, podcast that you yeah, did. That was the that was the angry. That was defensive. the angry you. You were deflecting it. You yeah. weren't really addressing the issue. Absolutely and I, and I, I honestly thought that's that would kind of be the case tonight. Even though no. we we did talk about it uh, over the phone before. You're like, well, yeah. you gave me the out. You were like, you know what? We don't have to talk about that. I was like, no, let, let's talk about. Yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. People- I gave you the choice. You said, look, I'm not afraid to talk about it. Uh, I'll take it head on. And and by the sounds of it, you're very honest and you're trying to learn from it. Is there, if there's any people out there that kind of turned on you or blocked you out immediately or thought, fuck that guy, is there anything you'd like to, to tell these people about you? Some of them. To some of them, I'm not a bad dude, man. I'm not. I'm just a, I'm just a guy who fucked up and was fucking up for a while and needed this to happen. To not only stop what I was doing, but to actually see that you're kind of a shitty person at times, man, and 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 it wasn't helping your career. You know, I have I've had friends who sat me down and told me that they're like, I'm glad this happened to you, man. I'm not I'm not happy that it's weighing in on your body, and I'm not happy that like you're going through this, but I'm happy you are because 
you're becoming a better guy. I could see it already. Like you're, 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 the humility is there now. You didn't have this before. And you couldn't continue this way. So I'm glad this happened to you. And it sucks that it took something of this magnitude for, for this to, to, you know, but it's gonna make you a better person. I always have those encouraging friends who some of them are comics, some of them are ex-girlfriends that are like, you know what? You're gonna get through this. And when you get through this, you're gonna be way better than you were before. You're gonna be a better person. Would any of these ex-girlfriends have had any inclinations into your fetish? Like w when you're with a girl, do you ask, to to see their feet or anything like that, no, or I don't have to ask. I see right. them anyway, but <laughs> but I mean, they might have just from certain things that I did. They might maybe some didn't. Some right. were like, "This is shocking," but um, when you're in your darkest moments, man, that's when you'll see who sticks around and people stuck around, comics and friends. And I think that's what got me through it. That's what made me say, "You know what? I'm not gonna let this beat me." I'm, you know, I got people that still believe in me even after what's being said. There are people who still are like, man, look, man, I got your back, dude. You know, I don't care what you're into. Your private life has nothing to do with me. Shitty what you did, but you're not a bad guy. Well, there you go. You heard it here, everybody. Uh, tricks, trying to make amends. And uh, man, again, I respect the honesty. I appreciate you coming in. I hate to end on this note because there's so much more we can talk about. I'd love you to come back in. We'll do a part two uh, soon. I, I really got to go do yeah, this Yeah, we got to get out of here. Yeah, and... No um, Nicole Arbor talk. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no Nicole Arbor talk. There's literally so much more I want to talk to you about, but this place, I got to rent a car and it's closing in eight minutes. Um... Tricks, my man, I really appreciate you coming in. Oh, anytime, uh, dude. Thanks thank for having some, me, man. Yeah, of course. Thanks for the Tecate. Yeah, Tecate. <laughs> and uh, again, I'd love to have you in and do a part two. There's a million other things I could talk to you about. Absolutely, man. Um, so anything you want to plug, any any good? Let's let's end on a positive note. What's coming up for you? Uh, September 22nd, doing the, the one-man show at Absolute on a Tuesday night. It's called Let's Face It Tour, which is pretty much... Um, not not a confessional tour. It's still me doing me, but you know, gonna open up a little bit more about myself. People like to say that tricks isn't honest enough on stage, so we'll we'll challenge myself to be more honest. If Look you will. for that September twenty second at Absolute Comedy in Toronto. Yeah, uh, your Twitter at comedian tricks. Comedian my, tricks. All my. Social medias are comedian tricks with two comedian X's. tricks T R I X X. Thanks again for doing it, my man. No, I really thanks for appreciate having me, dude. it. Yeah, and awesome. uh, we'll do it again and watch your head. Cool. And there she is, another one in the books, another one in. Why? Why repeat it? Why? Thanks to my guest Tricks. That was a great interview. Thank you, my man. I appreciate the honesty. And you coming out of Lemon Press Studios, and we will do part two in the near future. Thanks to you for listening, always you. Thanks to my producer, Adam Fox, my sound engineer, Miles Lacroix. All right. To follow on Instagram and Twitter at JD Comedy Hour. And Facebook, like the page, facebook.com slash JD Comedy Hour. Email the show, pod at jdcomedyhour.com. For anything, for any reason, I guess. Uh, that sounds too needy. Just email me if you want, but I don't care. Tune in next week. Actually, this week, next week, every Tuesday and Friday for brand new episodes. We've got some awesome guests coming up, some great new scamming the scammers phone calls, and a lot of other segments to come. So much happening here in Lemons Press Studios. I don't even know what to do with myself oh my god have a good weekend everybody and as always watch your head <laughs>